This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 79. In tonight's show, software to measure EdTech usage, a fully online community college, how flexibility can help higher ed, and technology access challenges for rural districts, something Christy might know a little bit about, and I think she'll share her expertise with us on that. Christy, welcome to the show. Hey, Ricky. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, but I, you know, going on the theme of last time we did the show two weeks ago, we had had a cold snap come through, and it is part due. Uh, we literally, it was 29 degrees this morning when I went to work. That is just, I don't even remember. I've lived in St. Pete for a long, long time, and I don't remember the last time that it was that low. That's crazy. That is. That's really cold for Florida. Do you have the appropriate, you know, cold weather gear, like a windshield, like ice scraper thing? Probably not. No, and thankfully there wasn't much humidity in terms of getting like anything wet. So I didn't have ice or anything on my windshield this morning, thankfully. But no, we don't. We just add layers. Like nobody has a proper winter jacket down here. And not it, it is colder. I know people don't believe it, but it feels colder with, with sort of the damp air. But thankfully, uh, yeah, no ice. All right, well, hopefully it'll get back up into the 60s, and that's generally cold for Florida, right? Yeah, we generally we don't like that, but it'll feel good now. All right, Christy, <laughs> let's go ahead and start, as we always do, with the EdTech News Rundown. EdSurge reports on a clever tool that measures how students use EdTech and whether or not it works. The tool is called Clever Goals, well-named, and it was piloted in 20 districts last fall. The main objective of Clever Goals is to make it easier to track what students are using, how much they're using it, and whether or not it works, which has long been an issue for EdTech products. I mean, anyone who's worked in EdTech can attest to that. It's always kind of hard to know exactly how is it working, how much are they using these things, how do we track that. Now, those who do try to track it often end up with a frustrated and somewhat nightmarish spreadsheet to try to figure out. A Clever Tools interface makes it a lot more pleasing experience as the data is collected in the software itself and it's displayed in a very friendly user interface as well. And they're adding more tech tools with, to their portal all the time. And if you feel the pain of not knowing how useful an EdTech product really is and if it's worth the money, you know, maybe this could help you out. And my only real question after looking at this is how does it measure the success of the software? I can see that it tracks usage and progress, which is great. Um, especially across multiple things, but it seems like more data would need to be parsed in terms of student success, like grades or standardized test scores. Uh, perhaps that's in the program. I didn't see that any mention of that on the side of, of test scores and standardized tests and whatnot. Uh, Christy, what do you think about this? Do you think uh, this is a system that could be employed and you think it would actually work for ed tech programs? Do you think it's a good deal? Well, I think it definitely has possibilities and I really like the idea and the purpose of it. You know, we have a bunch of ed tech tools, but, you know, tracking usage, that's something that is always important, especially for paid products. Now in our school district, we really go for free things, um, but we do have some paid. Um, and I also think of all the Google tools that our teachers have available and we can track that um, through the Google the Google Admin Console. So sometimes that data is good to take a look at to just monitor implementation and, you know, are we getting more teachers to use it? Um, or what's the student usage of it? Powerful tool, that Google Admin Console. Um, you know, we also track um, usage for our paid programs and we use some uh, 
Newzilla. I always get confused, News ELA or Newzilla. Yeah. So that's, you know, a reading um, text. So we do pay for that. So we, we do want to track usage um, with that. I really like your idea, though, about linking it to student data and outcomes. Um, that would be interesting, but you'd have to tie together multiple data points. Um, but maybe that's coming and um, possibilities for that tool. Yeah, I think it'll come eventually. Uh, just the the dif difficulty, though, is just making certain different software programs talk to each other. Now, they're tackling it from that um, you know, user side in terms of the ed tech software, which is beneficial for the ed tech software companies because they want people to be able to get that info so that they can prove that they're useful. Now, getting standardized test companies to do that, mm, I don't know. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure you can point it to one tool. So much goes into student achievement and a test score other than one tool. You know, how would you narrow it down that it was only that that one thing that made it effective. So I think narrowing down the data is also pretty hard. Agreed, for sure. All right, our next story, Ed Surge reports that California could soon have its first fully online community college. In the California state budget proposal released this week, Governor Jerry Brown called for dollars to create the fully online community college opening by fall of 2019. The target demographic is students who do not yet have a post-secondary credential and whose schedules do not fit into a traditional classroom-based settings. For the call of the community college would be advanced manufacturing, healthcare, child development, and in-home services. Some areas of concern with the online community college would be seat time versus competency-based programs and student success rates. We'll see if this proposal goes to the next level, which would be the California State Legislature. Ricky, you're in the higher ed world. What do you think of a fully online community college? Is there anything like that in Florida? Not, I don't believe in a community college standpoint. I, there, I mean, obviously Florida, and I'm sure the same with California, there's so many options available. But I'm, I'm guessing if this is the first of its kind in, in California that we don't really have many, if any, I don't know of any. Um, I, you know, what I love about online education is access. Like I love that people who normally couldn't have access to this education can get that access. And there are a lot of things that are concerning, including how the courses run. Are they getting the same amount of, like you said, seat time, so to speak, or how are they going to do it all to make it actually work? Now there's obviously other full online colleges. So these things are possible, but I know at the community college level, it's a different group of students so being able to service them may be a little more difficult online i don't know but it's certainly something that i think at, at this point in time it's a good idea to try anytime people can get more access that's good in my book yeah i agree with you there and we're looking at 120 million dollars to do that so we'll see what happens with that yeah i would hope that's enough i mean it's sad that it may not be but hopefully that's <laughs> enough all right, our next story. EdTech Magazine reports on ways higher education can help student retention by using tech that provides students easy flexibility. I've seen a lot of articles recently about higher education and student retention. I know this is a big deal. And they mentioned that only 61% of first-time, full-time college students complete a bachelor's degree within eight years, a number that higher ed is definitely working to improve upon for numerous reasons. I know state funding is one of the big reasons. Uh, of course, the desire to service students, I hope, is also a huge reason for colleges wanting to do this and higher ed wanting to do this. 
The article suggests that universities work to create apps that are useful, um, which seems like a kind of a no-brainer, but especially for first-time students, easy access to student support, registering for classes, among some other helpful resources. It also mentions using online courses to make sure students can take classes they need when they need them and at some convenient time so they're able to do it. Now, I kind of feel like this is a shameless plug because in my job, it's I'm only going to gain more importance in my job and I'm only going to be more valuable as we have more online courses. But I will also mention that I think flexibility can also be achieved in face-to-face courses as well in terms of scheduling, making sure courses in the same discipline aren't scheduled at the same time, all those types of things that can be really helpful. I think at the bottom line for this story is allow students easy access to helpful educational resources or helpful resources in general for the college, give them flexibility, and that's going to help improve graduation rates. And if you have the resources, put money into an app, please, a good one, one that really supports your students. I see a lot of people that just make an app and like, oh, look, it's an app. And it's like, yeah, that's good. But the whole idea is that it's going to be more useful and it's going to be allow them to be more flexible. So really put some money into it and make a good one and do a lot of research. Christy, I have to admit, in my college days, this is going back, there was very little done online. I remember lining up for registration where I had to like write down my classes and then they would like put it in the computer and see if we could, if I could take that course. Does this sound like something that could boost graduation rates to you just on face value? Well, I think anything that will increase retention rates has got to help. And if we can make things easier using tech tools, then yeah, why wouldn't we do that? I do think that would will keep kids in college and students in college. You know, it's relationships um, and you're being connected to a college, as well as um, and if, you know if you need to work, can you do that and take your classes? How applicable are the classes to your career? We've made a lot of changes in the K twelve world, um, college and career readiness, um, student engagement that transition is to the college life and now I you know I'm definitely more in the k-12 world um, but I'm not sure what that looks like um, you know how colleges whether they're two-year or four-year are really trying to engage students and adapt to their learning needs yeah I mean in my experience I think at the the baseline here is that you have to put the students first you have to be worried about how you can better serve them in all facets of education and all facets of higher ed how can we be more supportive for students who, you know, struggle? How can we be more supportive and allow students to have weird schedules or different schedules? How can we be more supportive of students just in general? How can we make it more about them? How can we connect it to the community? I mean, I think all of these things, you build this sense of pride in your institution when people feel like they're welcome and belong and that, that things are there for them to do in a manner that makes sense. So I think if you just focus on students, it sounds super easy, but just make that your mission statement at your college. And every decision you make, make sure it's for the students. And don't say it's for the students, but really about money. Say it's, you know, follow through mm-hmm. and be about the students. And I think you're going to, you can't help but see those numbers improve. Yes. All right. Our next article is one that really spoke to me. It talks about rural districts and it's from EdTech magazine. It says rural districts face challenges and opportunities with technology access. And it shares four EdTech challenges from rural districts. These four include broadband access, people, and understanding the why. 
The article also shares three opportunities for rural districts, including smaller size, a sense of community, and teachers. More than half of school districts and a third of all public education students are from rural schools. In size, but large in geography, rural district myself, this article is spot on with the challenges, but also benefits of being small. What do you think, Ricky? Are these challenges unique only to rural schools or are all schools facing these barriers? Well, in my experience in a large school district, I would say all face these barriers. It's just how much else can happen on the way to her, the getting over those barriers. How many, how much resources do you have to actually get, get past those barriers? It's a lot more diff- difficult for smaller school districts simply because there's not as much money. Um, just because there's more money for a big district, that's still bigger amount, a lot, a lot more students and a lot more problems in that, in that respect. So it's, I think it's the same, it's just scaled. But I mean, definitely broadband access can be something that's difficult even for big schools. Sometimes you could argue even more difficult for larger districts. Funding as well, if funding gets cut, which you know, when I was in the K-12 district here, funding would get cut and it would become very difficult at that point. Um, people are always interesting for the third one. And then understanding the why of, of these types of challenges and opportunities for access, again, I think it's, I really do think it's the same small or large. I just think it's probably magnified more for small in that you just don't have the money. It's not juggling the resources as much as just how can we get enough to make this happen? Yeah, I agree. You know, when I read those um, four challenges, I think broadband is definitely more unique to rural areas, not so much in our schools, because we are, you know, we're up there, we've got high speed in our last few years. But so many of our families don't have internet access at home, or if they do, it's incredibly slow and limited and expensive. So while we can do things at our school, you know, taking that home, you think people in urban or suburban areas, you know, might have an advantage, you know, just simply having access there. Yeah, I mean, it. But I, when you, but go ahead. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, when you when you look at it, it really is interesting because there are a lot of people in larger school districts and bigger cities that, although broadband access is available, aren't able to get it. We have some programs that actually pay for broadband if people apply for it and do, the, but they have to jump through some hoops. And not everyone does. And every time we do it, I know we've done them in the past, and maybe I'll link to one of the articles on uh, in the show notes. Uh, but we've we've definitely done these stories before, where it's surprising the amount of students that do not have broadband. I mean, in my world, I feel like doesn't everybody just have access to this? But you know, although in small districts and in rural areas, they may not have access even if they could afford it. Um, in larger districts, mm-hmm. it's the opposite side. We have it, but can you afford it? Um, and in rural, it can be that way as well. But it, at the end of the day, I think it's, again, the same, a similar problem for different reasons maybe, but we definitely do need to be thinking. And a lot of times, even when I read this article and you were talking about it in my head, all I was thinking about was the school buildings. Yeah, you know, we do struggle sometimes. Wi-Fi is not the greatest, blah, blah, blah. But so much more than that is the importance of them being able to access things at home as well. Um, so, you know, when they're doing homework or when they're just trying to learn on their own and they're excited about something, if they don't have access to that, it limits them for sure. So it's a different perspective when you think about 
education in general and you think about they need this stuff at home too it's not just about in the school building yeah I, I just thinking ahead to the future at what point will this no longer be an issue where you know everyone has broadband and there's wi-fi everywhere and we don't have to either pay for it or sign up for it it's just a part of our lives i think we'll ever get there we'll get there yeah i mean we got a lot of big companies google's working on crazy things to make that happen there's there's it's going to happen. It's just how long is it going to take for it to happen? And with the way that technology is progressing, how many people are going to miss out while it's still developing, I guess is kind of the concerns. All right, Christy. Well, thanks for, for being on the show. Remember, if you want to be a part of the show, send us articles, uh, maybe be on the show, edtechweekly at gmail.com. Email us there. Um, hit the subreddit, edtechweekly.reddit.com. If you're into Reddit, um, we got a almost I think we're getting close to 200 people who subscribe and follow that now um, we post stories there and other stuff as well from reddit so check that one out and if you don't mind give us a review on iTunes if you go to edtechweeklyshow.com there is a link on the bottom it just stays on the bottom of that website and you can just click it and uh, go ahead and give us a rating it helps on iTunes it helps people find the show and uh, on Twitter, at Christy M. Warren, give her a follow, or me, at 4TechTeachers, the number 4TechTeachers, um, again, or email us, edtechweekly at gmail.com. That's how Christy became a part of the show, and now she's fully on board, and we are happy to have her. So check out edtechweeklyshow.com for links, and uh, Christy, anything for the good people as we head into the end of this show and into the end of this week? Stay warm out there on the East Coast. Yeah. For, Don't freeze. For real, though, because it's the struggle is real. See you next time on Ed Tech Weekly. Bye.